AT&T services endured a 10-hour disruption with more than 70,000 outages reported. So what lessons can be learned from the ordeal? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, President Joe Biden says Israel has agreed to halt military action in the Gaza Strip over Ramadan, the Muslim holy month, which will begin on March 10th. But first... White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby said the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security were looking into an AT&T outage that lasted for several hours and impacted thousands of customers across the United States. AT&T said the hours-long outage to its U.S. cell phone network appeared to be the result of a technical error, not a malicious attack, and that the Federal Communications Commission was in touch with the company. For more, we're joined by Hugh O. Odom, a former AT&T attorney and the founder and president of Vertical Solutions. Hi, Hugh. Thanks so much for your time today. The AT&T, uh, of course, AT&T is the nation's largest carrier. What are your thoughts on what might have caused this outage? Well, the story from AT&T, which is, has some validity, is that it was a software issue when they were updating the software for the uh, network across the United States to expand the network. Now, there's some validity to that because it happened in the middle of the night here in the United States, and that's usually when that occurs. The interesting thing is, if they knew this software update was occurring, why it took them so long to identify that issue that hit across the United States, as you mentioned, was a nationwide outage. And we have reports up to a couple million people may have been impacted in some form or fashion. And why it took them so long to identify the issue and, and get the information out there. And then why it took them so long to deal with the situation and restore, restore coverage for people across the country, which impacted their daily communications, business operations, and to some extent, some emergency services across the United States as well. Now, we do, many are saying that AT&T uh, and this outage has sparked concerns about the impact of a possible cyber attack. Yeah, that's one thing that always is a possibility. And AT&T has stated, and as you mentioned, the, the federal government here in the United States has stated that they don't believe that's the case. But the issue you get is as we expand the network, more particularly 5G, you leave the network more exposed. The more expansion, the more exposure. And you may recall about a year or so ago, T-Mobile and AT&T had some cyber attacks that got information from their customers. And this is also a possibility as you expand the, the network that you're going to see some bad actors out there try to take down the network because of some vulnerabilities as they keep on rolling out 5G across the country. The big problem is there's not enough infrastructure for the in the United States for cell towers and other types of equipment as this expansion rolls out. So it puts a stress on these uh, these cell towers and the network, and that leaves, again, the the network and people's information vulnerable. Does this shine a spotlight on network dependability? Yes, I think we saw just a glimpse of what could happen if we see a major carrier or major carriers, plural, go down because we rely upon here in the United States and across the world, we rely upon that wireless service, that communication, and we call it the fourth utility, just like anything else you rely upon every day. And when that goes down, 
it hits you on so many different levels that it is really dependent that that fourth utility is always up and running. And we saw, as I mentioned, just a glimpse, just a small glimpse of what could happen if that service was interrupted. Now, if that were to ever happen again, what are some tips for people that might be impacted? Well, I think the first thing is you always have a backup plan. And one of those things you can do is make sure that uh, as they're going away, one of the biggest tried and, and trusted ways of having communications, even if it's a situation where you have a natural disaster or something of that nature, is a landline. Have some access to a landline. Those are always up and running. and They usually are up and available to people as they need for communications. The second and what is a trending technology is satellite phone capability. T-Mobile is starting to integrate that later this year with Starlink. So you have a backup system. And I think that's going to be the next wave of having that satellite telephone capability on your existing phone. You always have to have a plan just in case. It's not only just to communicate with your loved ones, but to reach emergency services if you need it. So that could potentially be an option for people to add on to their bills would be this different link. Yes, I think one thing you can look at as we go on, as I mentioned, T-Mobile is going to add that. I think AT&T and Verizon here in the United States are going to need to find a partner to also provide for that on their phones, on their wireless phones or other services. So you really have to look at this as a technology some people think is way out there. It's being a true supplement to our wireless services, our traditional cell towers and other wireless infrastructure. We need to build out the wireless infrastructure to a great degree across the United States, but we also need to see the importance of satellite capability to be a backup and be a supplement to our communication systems in the United States. What are some of the key lessons uh, that we could learn as well as in the IT industry about this recent outage? I think the big thing here with regards to what we can learn is we have for so many years treated wireless service, your cell phone, as a luxury. And it really isn't. It is a utility, as I mentioned before, and we really need to invest properly on a ground roots level from the cell tower installations, always up to the, the technology that go on those cell towers to make sure that we have a, in the United States, a network that one is reliable, two is safe, and three, we provide backup systems. I think that's really what you have to look at in any kind of technology is if you get too dependent upon one layer of technology and that goes out, you see the consequences, which again, we saw a small glimpse of here a few days ago, and we need to fortify our, our primary technology, which is wireless services, but have reliable second level services if that does go out. Hugh Odom, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your insights into this. Thank you. President Joe Biden says Israel has agreed to halt military action in the Gaza Strip over Ramadan, the Muslim holy month, which will begin on March 10th. U.S. President Joe Biden says Israel has agreed to halt military action in the Gaza Strip over Ramadan, the Muslim holy month, that begins on March 10th. He made those remarks on NBC's Late Night with Seth Meyers. This came as Arab countries have voiced fears should the fighting continue into Ramadan, it will further stoke regional tensions and while momentum on ceasefire negotiations gathered pace in Qatar. On the show, Biden revealed there was an agreement in principle for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, which could be in place by this time next week. 
He said such a pause would give time for remaining hostages Hamas captured on October 7th to be released. The group took over 250 hostages when it stormed across southern Israel on October 7th and killed over 1,200 people. Israel's subsequent ground assault led to nearly 30,000 people killed, according to Gaza health authorities. In his late-night appearance Monday, Biden said Israel risks losing support from the rest of the world. He added that the Israeli government made a commitment to him to try to evacuate large portions of Rafah, which has millions of displaced Palestinians who fled other war-torn parts of Gaza before Israeli forces move in to target what he called the remainder of Hamas. The last deal to suspend fighting came in November, where Hamas released more than 100 hostages and Israel freed about three times as many Palestinian prisoners. In recent weeks, both Israel and Hamas have publicly maintained positions that are far apart for a potential truce while blaming the other for delays. Israel continues to say it will not end the war until Hamas is destroyed, while Hamas says it will not free hostages without an agreement to end the war. As Biden gears up for a bid at re-election this November, he has seen support among young Americans and left-leaning progressive voters sink as a result of his staunch support for Israel and the sky-high death tolls in Gaza. U.S. stocks ended slightly lower after last week's AI-fueled rally. The Dow finished lower. The S&P 500 ended down almost four-tenths of a percent, while the Nasdaq ended down fractionally. U.S. stocks ended slightly lower on Monday after last week's AI-fueled rally as the focus shifted to upcoming economic data that could affect the timing of the Federal Reserve's expected interest rate cut. The Dow finished marginally lower. The S&P 500 ended down almost four-tenths of a percent, while the Nasdaq ended down fractionally. Investors have turned their attention to the release of key inflation data due out Thursday, known as the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index. A reading for January that shows price pressures not cooling fast enough could further push back expectations of a Fed rate cut, says Carol Schleif, Chief Investment Officer at BMO Family Office. The recent economic data definitely confirms that the Fed is not going to want to cut as soon as March. You saw CPI and PPI come in hotter than expected last week. And we'll get the PCE this week, which is the Fed's preferred inflation gauge. And the expectations are that it will show some heat as well. And so that most likely is going to keep the Fed on hold, at least until late spring, or early summer. There's been some conversation recently that the Fed may not be done raising. We think they are. We we definitely think the Fed can stay on hold for some length of time, though. And our expectation had been for three, maybe four cuts this year. But it will be pretty data dependent, especially in the next couple of weeks. In AI-related stock news, shares of Alphabet fell four and a half percent after the Google parent announced plans to relaunch its AI tool in the next few weeks. It was paused last week after inaccuracies in some historical depictions. Other movers included Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, which fell 2% after the U.S. government warned of a lawsuit against its power company, Pacificorp. And shares of Domino's Pizza jumped nearly 6% after the company beat Wall Street expectations for quarterly same-store sales. Thanks for watching In America Today. I'm Veronica Dudo. For more, head to tickernews.co. Stay with us. More ticker coming up.